uh, mornings like this, it's a reminder as well for us as a church family that Christianity, you know, following Jesus is always one generation from disappearing in our own families and our church families. Because we don't follow Jesus because of our last name or where we were born. We follow Jesus out of a choice, a willful decision to choose to find him and follow after him. And that's why it's so important for us as a church family uh, to raise up the next generation of Christ followers. And so I just want to encourage these families, but also all of us as a church family, what we're doing today and all throughout the week and, you know, back in our next gen um, areas is really important of helping other people to find and follow Jesus, specifically our next generation and raising them up uh, to do just that in the world. The greatest gift, listen guys, um, our kids are going to see a time that we won't see. Our children will experience and be in a time in our country and our city that we won't get to see. And the greatest gift that we can give our future individually and collectively is the gift of our children passionately following after Jesus and sharing other people the story of God. So thank you for that today and being a part of that. And I do wanna add my happy Mother's Day to moms and grandmoms in the room today. I hope you feel celebrated and seen, but I also want to acknowledge that today can be a very difficult day. And I just want you to know that if your heart is hurting today, that you're seen, that God sees you. Exodus 2.25, God is the, the God who sees and the God who knows, that he sees you and he knows you. For those who have lost your mother, I pray today that your heart would be overwhelmed with a wonderful memory of your mom and that you would celebrate her life today. For those of you who are longing to be mothers and who are quietly praying prayers of desperation, that God would meet you in that longing that he would see the desire of your heart and he would give you peace that passes understanding today. Just want you to know that you're seen and you're known today, okay? I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and let's give attention to our passage today. This is from James chapter three. As we continue in our story through the book of James, James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. This is the word of God to you today. If you are wise, and understand God's ways, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James 3, 13 through 18. God's word to you today. You can be seated. Well, um, what a passage this is. 
what a passage this is. And I think you would agree with me uh, if you're following along and you're, you're studying the book of James with us, which I would encourage you to read ahead. We have a reading plan online and you can go back and catch up to the messages online as well. But if you've been reading through the book of James, you know that James doesn't pull any punches. That it's a hard-hitting truth that helps us to understand how to live out our faith in a real Jesus, in a real world full of real disappointments and problems and confusions. He's speaking to the question, right, in our series, how am I going to get through what I'm going through? And what difference does Jesus make? And so in this passage, verses 13 through 18, James 3, and if you have it, open it up with me and maybe take a couple of notes. In order to understand the context of what James is writing to his congregation, remember James was a pastor to the church in Jerusalem. They've been scattered because of politics, religious persecution of the Romans and the Jewish leaders. And so they're living outside of Palestine, starting their life all over again, confused, frustrated, disappointment, hurt, angry, all kinds of things going through them. And James wants to meet them with the truth of God. And now he's gonna talk to them about words and wisdom. But to understand the context of chapter three, we actually need to go back to Acts chapter two. And what happens in Acts chapter two? The book of Acts is the story of the beginning of the church. Remember, there's three types of books, categories in the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's foundational books, there's historical books, and there's instructional books. We have four foundational books, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have one uh, historical book, the book of Acts, and then we have 22 instructional books. So Acts is our historical book. It's telling the story, the history of the church. And Luke, who wrote both the Gospel that carries his name and the book of Acts as one letter together, Acts is a first-rate historical account of the beginning of the church. And so in Acts chapter two, the church, which is about 120 people during that time, are gathered together in the city of Jerusalem waiting. And what are they waiting for? Do you remember? They're waiting for the promise that Jesus made to them at his ascension. And if you go back to Acts chapter one, Jesus tells the church, he tells all of us, he says, hey, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, specifically to the early church. He says, I want you to wait here, which for them was like, are you kidding? This is the scene of the crime. All these people want to arrest us and kill us and you want us to stay here in Jerusalem? And he says, yeah, I want you to wait here because I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come and not just influence you like he did in the Hebrew Testament, but now the Holy Spirit is going to indwell you. And you're going to be the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you power, Acts 1-8, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Another way to say it is here, near, and far. You're going to be my witnesses. And I'm going to give you the power to speak, to use words, to share the truth of my kingdom. Okay? So uh, Jesus ascends into heaven after 40 days from the resurrection. He appeared to over 500 people giving evidence of his resurrection. I mean, uh, right now in a court of law, if you had one eyewitness, that would be really powerful. There were over 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus that he appeared to over the course of 40 different days. And then he ascends into heaven with that instruction to wait in Jerusalem. And then there's a 10 day waiting period and all the people from around the world, all the Jews from around the world gather again in Jerusalem for what's known as Pentecost. Pentecost was a celebration, it was a festival, one of three major festivals where people from all over the world, Jews from all over the world, would gather in Jerusalem and worship. 
And so the Jews are gathering in Jerusalem. The church is waiting for those 10 days. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this is what happens. Turn there with me if you have it. You can highlight in your Bible and go read it again this week. On the day of Pentecost, which was, by the way, 50 days, Penta, 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after the weekend that Jesus was crucified and resurrected. All the believers were meeting together in one place, about 120 of them. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind storm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this is a big deal. God sends the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when we choose to trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us and empowers us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, here, near, and far. And so God sends the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit manifest? Well, with a sound like a wind and tongues that appeared like what? Like fire. What must that have looked like? That experience and then they began to speak, not in a heavenly language, but in earthly tongues. They began to speak in all the languages that had gathered there in Jerusalem. Does that make sense? People had come from all over the world with all different dialects and languages. Jews had come to worship there for Pentecost. And now they're hearing the truth of God and the story of God in their own native tongue. And they're hearing it primarily from Galilean fishermen. And that shouldn't happen. And they think that they're drunk. And Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk. We're just filled with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to preach the very first sermon in the church. And 3,000 people are added to the church that day as they trust and believe in Christ. But why do I tell you that story in the context of James? Well, just to give it away, James chapter 1 verse 14 says this. Look at, look at James chapter 1 verse 14. Let me look at James chapter 1. Or Acts chapter 1 verses 14. I'm sorry, it's my fault. I'm out of sequence here. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So in other words, James was in the room for Pentecost. So he experienced the, the flame or the tongues of fire that came to rest on them. He experienced all this. And now when he's in, writing his instruction to the church, he begins to talk about speech as what? As a fire. Because he had experienced speech as a fire in multiple ways. And he basically says there's two types of fire. There's a, just like there's two types of speech, there's a fire from hell or speech from hell. Go back and let's look at our passage from last week, James 3, verse 6. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it, look at it with me, is set on fire by hell itself. So in other words, your words, this fire that comes out of your mouth, doesn't originate from you. It's coming from the flames and the fire of hell itself. But then there's another type of fire, and it's the fire that came at Pentecost on Acts chapter 2, where the fire from heaven comes and rests upon the people, the church. And they begin to speak words of life to other people. So there's these two types of fire, if you're taking notes, these two types of words or speech. 
And again, in Acts 1.14, we see that James was in the room, which by the way, was really significant because he and his brothers didn't believe in Jesus initially. And it was over those 40 days of Jesus appearing to all the people and giving evidence of his resurrection that they believed. And now they're in the church and they see the fire from heaven come down and rest upon them. And they see the evidence of that. Talk about, by the way, a happy Mother's Day to Mary, to see her brother, all of her sons, right? Uh, giving witness to Jesus and gathered together because Mary was there in the church celebrating the truth of who Jesus really was and the promises that nothing would be impossible for God, the very message that the angel gave her when Jesus was born. What James is helping us to understand in context is that our words are lit on fire by the fire of hell or the fire of heaven. Everybody watch this. Words echo in eternity. Your words echo in eternity in hell. Your words echo in eternity in heaven. Our words are a reflection of the story of our enemy or the story of our creator, God. And in this way, if you're taking notes, James 3, 6, this whole idea that destructive words or sinful words are words that are set on fire by hell. James 3, 6 is the reverse, don't you see, of James 2, 3, or of Acts 2, 3 the story of Pentecost and the fire of heaven coming down, us being empowered by the fire of of God to share life with other people. And we can see how this plays itself out because these two fires, the fire of heaven and the fire of hell, are spreading today, aren't they? I mean, think about it. A small spark of hell can set the world on fire and destroy the lives of the people who get in the way. The effects of the fire of hell and the fire of heaven are widespread. They've gone throughout the world, here, near, and far, either bringing deliverance to the message of the gospel in Jesus or destruction from the message of hell. In the same way, a small spark of heaven, words of life, words of heaven, can set the world on fire and deliver people as they encounter the living God through Jesus and families and churches and villages and communities and nations and companies can be delivered by the truth and the words of the gospel, both of them empowered by two different energies and fires, the very power of hell or the power of heaven. And so James wants to make it clear where our words come from. They don't just come from our minds. They don't just come from within us. There's something much deeper. They originate in hell or heaven itself, and they echo throughout eternity. Our bottom line last week at the first part of James 3 is that words build worlds. Do you remember that? Words build worlds. So if you look at your family today, you look at your business, you look at your community, we look at our church, the words that we're speaking are building a world. Just like God built and created the world through his spoken word. God said, God said, God said, and it was. And ultimately Jesus, the word, was made flesh to dwell among us. And the word began to speak words of life, words of heaven to us, right? And James wants to make it clear that when we speak words, it's tapping into something much deeper and where we left it last week was we, we talked about destructive words and words of hell. And we, we asked the question, well, what do we do about it, right? If the tongue is uncontrollable, if it is a fire that's set on fire by the, by the flames of hell, like, like what do we do? And the answer is in Acts chapter 2, a fire from heaven that left unto ourselves, we can't control our words. 
And the reality is that our words are a signal, a symbol of something much deeper. Remember, your words are like a thermometer, a spiritual thermometer. They're taking the temperature of your soul. So your words and your deeds are actually a symbol, a signal, a temperature of something much deeper. And James takes it further than you could ever imagine. He says, it's not just about what's in your heart. It's actually tapping into a much bigger story, the story of hell or the story of heaven, that your words are being empowered by two different types of wisdom or two different very um, powerful stories that God is inviting you into in terms of his story and your words being a reflection of his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So in the same way in the beginning, God created the world with a word and the word became fleshed and moved into our neighborhood. Our words are reflecting a larger story. They're a, they're a thermometer of something much deeper. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Everyone listen to this. C.S. Lewis said, with every word that you're speaking, every one of your actions, you're becoming more of a citizen of heaven, the story of God, or a citizen of hell, the story of our great enemy. And so our words are just a reflection of something much deeper, these two greater fires that are empowering us and the stories that we're believing. And there's a wisdom that's informing our words and our actions. That's what James is saying here in James chapter three. There's something much deeper that's happening here, two kinds of wisdom, two sources of our words and our actions. And each of these wisdoms are telling their story. Remember we talked about there's two big stories. There's a story of heaven and a story of hell. And both of those stories are longing to grab your attention. And the story of this world, the story of hell, is a very loud and provocative story that the culture is telling. And the story of heaven is a story that God is longing for you to believe and receive in your life and to live through. So these two types of wisdom that James is describing is actually two larger stories that are being told side by side. So let's go further with this. There's the story of the world or worldly wisdom to use that language, to use the language that James is saying here. And he says here in James chapter three, verse 13, if you're wise, look at the passage with me. If you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it. In other words, how you're speaking, how you're acting is gonna prove the story that you're believing. And if you're living by the fire of heaven, the wisdom of God, it's gonna come out, right? And he says, you're gonna live an honorable life. You're gonna do good with humility that comes from what? From wisdom, not from, hey, listen, it's not from just powering up today or just like, I'm just gonna determine my way through this and use better words and the power of positive thinking. That's not what James is saying. He says, if you really wanna believe the story of God and it comes out in the way you live, right? Because your way shows the wisdom that you're believing. It has to be the power of God, the fire of God, empowering you to do that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But he says, look, the first type of wisdom, though, that's a loud story, all of you would agree, that the world is telling you and our kids and our grandkids is a wisdom that comes from the world. And here's what it looks like. Look at the passage with me. In verse 14, he says, a wisdom that comes from the world or the fire of hell that informs your words and your actions. If it's coming from there, you're going to remember it's a spiritual thermometer your words are. So it's going to show you. And here's what to look for. He says, if you're bitterly jealous, all right, let's just stop there. If you're bitterly jealous, right, and there's some kind of selfish ambition 
that's coming out of your mouth, right? It's actually in your heart. It's much deeper, right? Again, your words and your action are showing you something deeper. deeper. And he says, don't cover up the truth because that's the truth that in your heart you've got bitterness and selfish ambition and it's just coming out in your words and your actions. He says the cover for that, right, is boasting and lying. So when we hear someone, or when we, let's just make it about ourselves, when we hear ourselves boasting and lying, we should ask ourselves the question, what am I covering? What am I covering? And when you hear someone else boasting and lying, your first question should be, what are they covering? Because James says here that the cover of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, right, is lying and boasting, it's bragging, it's all of those things. And it's just an elaborate cover to, 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 to not show other people the story that you're believing. But he goes, that would be enough, right? But he goes further. And he says, if you're believing that first fire, the fire of hell, which is a worldly wisdom, right? He says that the origins of that are not just like negative speech. Because if you leave here today and you go, well, I guess I should, shouldn't be negative, I should be more positive, you've missed the message. That's not what James is saying. Yes, we, you do want to use godly words, but he doesn't ever use the, the terms negative or positive. He uses the terms heaven and hell because it's deeper than just being positive or being negative. Look, look at verse 15. He says, um, he says, for jealousy and selfishness, these two, these two symptoms are not God's kind of wisdom. In other words, they're coming from somewhere else. Such things are, where do they come from? Well, he's going to answer, verse 15, they're earthly, they're unspiritual, wait for it, they're demonic. So bitter, jealous, selfish words are not just me being negative or being down or whatever. They're me participating and speaking the language of hell. The language that is spoken in hell is the language of jealousy, bitterness, lying, untruth, deception, slandered, bragging. This is the native language of hell. And when we speak those things, don't you see? James is saying we're participating in a much larger story. So when you hear those words, and sometimes, by the way, guys, those words never escape our mouth. But don't mistake, they're still words. They're words that we're forming in our mind and our heart that we're speaking to ourselves or about other people or to God. And they're symbolic of a story that we're believing about God and ourselves and other people, an untrue story. And James wants to hit us hard here and he says, look, it's more than just you speaking good words. It's actually something much deeper. It's about the story that you're believing because your ways, the way you speak, the way you act, show what kind of wisdom you're believing. And so he says, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, and that should, that should stop us in our tracks, that the language that demons speak to one another is a language of slander and lying and boasting. And when we speak those things, even if we don't do it out loud, we're participating with them. But then he comes to the knockout punch. Ready for the knockout punch? Verse 16, when it comes to believing the fire of hell and the wisdom of the world and, and participating in that in the way that we speak and we act, he says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. 
the word there, if you want to write it down, is chaos. Where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there's chaos. There's an evil of every kind. Why? Because when I begin to speak those words to other people or to God or to myself, I'm inviting the demons of hell to come and to tell their story in my house, in my church, in my city, in my nation, in the world. And so James says, oh, it's so much deeper than just a spoken word. You're participating in the story of hell and you're inviting the fire of hell, just like the spark of heaven can bring deliverance with the words that it speaks, the spark of hell with your words can bring destruction wherever it goes. A small spark, as James reminded us last week, can, can, can burn a whole forest. It can destroy families and homes and businesses and churches and communities. So he says, where there's selfish ambition and jealousy and those words were participating in the story of evil and hell and there it finds its home there. That's the power of what's happening here. But then there's a second kind of wisdom. There's an Acts 2 story here. There's a fire from heaven that comes and empowers us to share the goodness of God and the wisdom of heaven, the fire of heaven that doesn't bring destruction, but brings deliverance, that doesn't bring death, but brings life and the hope of life. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans said it this way, godly wisdom, the second type of wisdom that James speaks about here, that's evidenced in our words and our ways. Wisdom is the application of heavenly knowledge, Dr. Evans says, to earthly living. So it's understanding, right? It's James 3.13. It's being wise and understanding God's way and proving it by the way that I'm speaking and I'm living. In other words, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, from the, from the overflow of your heart come your words. They're a spiritual thermometer of the story that you're believing. So it's not just about being positive or negative with your words. Everybody watch this. If you, if you miss everything else in the message, I hope you'll get this from James. It's not just about speaking positively or negatively. It's about participating in the story of hell or the story of heaven. It's about the story that you're believing about God, about yourself, and about other people. And your words and your ways just become an evidence. They become a thermometer of the story that you're believing. I'm speaking to someone today. And you're believing a false story about God and yourself and other people. And it's just being evidenced in the words that you speak to yourself that never escape your mouth, but you hear them. The words that you're speaking to God, the words that do escape your mouth and you're speaking to other people. It's just an evidence of the story that you're believing about God and yourself and other people. And you're participating either in the story of hell or the story of heaven. That's the power of words. These two types of wisdom, wisdom that comes from below and wisdom that comes from above. And James is unpacked in verses 14 through 16. Write it down and go read it again for yourself this week what it looks like to participate and believe the story of hell. And ultimately, where does it land in verse 16? Every kind of evil is invited into your life, into your home, into your business, into your church, into your community, your state, your nation, your world by participating in the story of hell. And conversely, the second type of fire, the second type of wisdom, every form of heaven the goodness of God is invited into your life and the lives of other people, your home, your nation, your family, your church, your community, your world, when you participate in the story of God. 
and you believe that story. And that's what Jesus says, wait here in Jerusalem, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The word power there in Acts 1.8 is the word dynamite. It's from where we get our English word dynamite. The dynamite power of God, the fire of God is going to come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses with your words, speaking about the true story of heaven, here and near and even far. And so James says there's a second type of wisdom that God longs for you to believe about him and about yourself and about other people. It's the wisdom of God. It's the fire of heaven. It's the same fire that came to rest upon the believers there that empowered them to go tell the story of God and change the world. It's the reason why we're sitting here today is because that fire of heaven, that spark of heaven began to spread and people began to tell people the true story about God, the real story about God of his love and his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his deliverance. And they believed it and they began to share that with other people. And that's how the church was born And that's how the church continues to live and move and have its being in Christ, in the words of Christ. James says, the wisdom for living is this intersection, like Dr. Evans said, of the knowledge of God, the truth of God, and the practical experience of living it out. Think about it this way. Wisdom is the intersection of this true story of God and the true story that you're living out in your life. So it's the intersection of knowledge or understanding and application It's putting it into practice, which is what James is all about, right? Prove it. You say you believe this, prove it with your words, your actions, how you're living. James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. Got to remember that. He's giving us wisdom, the intersection of knowledge and application. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, Solomon wrote these words. He said, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth, right? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding, Who gives wisdom? God gives wisdom. Go back to chapter one in James. Where we first started in James chapter one, verse five, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, right? How many of you lack wisdom? I'm gonna raise both hands and a foot. How many of you lacks wisdom? How many of you need wisdom for something you're experiencing today? Something you're gonna be facing tomorrow morning at work or this week? How many of you need wisdom? James says, if you need wisdom, right? Ask God. In other words, the the source of godly wisdom, this second type of wisdom that James is writing about, is not from within you. It's from God himself. In the same way the source of the evil story is from hell, the source of godly wisdom is from heaven, right? So James says, you should ask God because he wants to give it to you. He won't rebuke you or, or send you away. He wants to give it to you. God has a storehouse of wisdom that he wants to give to you. Remember the story of the man who went to heaven and the angels are showing him around heaven and he sees this room full of all kinds of gifts, all kinds of wonderful things that are, are indescribable. And he says, what is that room full of gifts from, from top to bottom, all these wonderful things? And the angel says, oh, those are all the wonderful things of wisdom that God wanted to give to his people, but they never asked. God has a storehouse of wisdom that he wants to give to us. But what's the key to living in this second type of wisdom, this fire from heaven and not from hell? It's humility. Look how humility appears in our passage. James says it's humility. It's coming. What is humility? It's thinking less of yourself. Knowing that left unto yourself, I can't do it. I can't control my words. 
I can't control my actions of my own willpower. I need God's help. And that's why Jesus says, wait here and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you with the fire of heaven to live this truth out in the world. And humility is the boarding pass to wisdom. If wisdom is a plane that takes you all over the world, right, sharing the good news of Jesus, humility is the boarding pass. It's coming to the end of yourself and saying, I actually am incapable of controlling my words and actions. I can't power up and just push through it. I need God's help. And that's what James is stomping his feet and communicating to his church, communicating to us as a church, is that there's a true story of God, of heaven, that God wants to empower you with, to not only believe about him, but to believe about yourself, to understand who you are, your identity in Christ. And we live in a world that is desperate to understand identity, that is searching here, near, and far to try to find identity. And God says, I am the source of your identity. Believing who I made you to be, believing the true story about me and yourself and other people, that is true godly wisdom. And so verses 17 through 18 are the description of what godly wisdom looks like. Now I'm just going to stop here. But the first sentence is, he says, godly wisdom. Look at verse 17. Wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. In other words, it's true. It's the true story. Wisdom from above, the story of God, right? The fire from above that God wants to empower you with, the dynamite power of the Spirit is, first of all, true. It's the true story about who God is and who you are and who other people are. Lots of false stories out there. Lots of people clamoring for your attention, for your kids' attention, for your grandkids' attention to try to tell you who you are, that you're nothing but a consumer. But God has the true story, the true story about who you are, that you're not a consumer, you're a child, that you don't need to take, you can receive because God has good for you, promises for you. The evidence that James gives to us about about what we're believing, the story we're believing is this, that your ways, bottom line, Your ways display your wisdom. The way you're speaking, the way you're acting over time displays the story, the wisdom, the type of wisdom that you're believing. And James makes it very clear here. This is not about power of positive thinking or just doing better. No, there are two types of wisdom. Wisdom from hell and wisdom from heaven. A story of hell and destruction, a story of heaven and deliverance. And your ways are displaying the wisdom that you're believing. So here's the question. What are your ways, the way you're speaking, the way you're living today, what are your ways telling you about the wisdom that you're believing? To Christ be the glory today. Let's pray together. Hear the passage one more time. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant 
seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. God, would you give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us today, to know the true story and to believe the true story. And would you give us now the courage and the faith to leave this place and obey for your glory and the power of Jesus. Amen.